0: Here's a summary of When to Walk Away by Gary Thomas in about 30 seconds. So this book is all about toxic people and Gary defines toxic people as this, someone who's destroying you as you're interacting with them, destroying your peace, your happiness, or your relationships. And a perfect example of uh, what to do in this situation is what Jesus did. He let people walk away and then he chose to walk away from other people as well and he never felt the need to explain himself either. So when you encounter a toxic person, walk away if you can, Don't engage if you don't have to because your mission isn't to stop toxic people. That includes yourself. Nobody, including yourself, should be allowed to call yourself names because God loves you and that's all that matters. Hey, I'm Andy and welcome to the 30 Second Book Club podcast, a place for people who want to read more books and be in a book club but don't have time to do either. I take care of that for you. This might be a great one to listen to as you're on your way to Thanksgiving and preparing yourself to deal with maybe some toxic people around the table Well, Gary Thomas has got some great insights for you again in his book, When to Walk Away. Gary, let's start here. Where did you uh, get the inspiration to write this book? Well, I always just
1: assumed the problem was with me. Uh, I wasn't walking in obedience. I was being too harsh. Maybe I wasn't hearing God correctly. I wasn't understanding scriptures rightly. Any number of things. It's like if you were to describe a toxic person as having bad breath, my response would be, God, please heal my nose. (laughs) There must be something wrong with my nose. I don't want to think this person stinks. That's terrible to think that. And I really began to, with some counsel of others, begin to discover God would say to me, Gary, your nose is working fine. I gave you that nose so that you could smell the stink to know what you're... Dealing with. And so, in interacting with a toxic person more recently, a, a good friend of mine has been a marriage and family therapist for over 35 years. I, I was talking about how do I engage this person? I don't understand why this is working. This is making me crazy. And he shocked me, Andy, when he said, Gary, I, I recommend you not engage him. So what are you talking about? He's a Christian. I'm a Christian. I would have always thought of that as a failure. So I want you to go to the Gospel of Luke. Count how many times Jesus walked away from someone or let someone walk away from him. Well, I was astonished at seeing those instances and then other teachings of, or of Jesus that, that followed. I always would have thought walking away or letting others walk away would be a failure. I couldn't believe that Jesus ever failed. So I had to completely look at dealing with toxic people from an entirely new light. And it was revolutionary for what it just did for me personally and for the sake of ministry.
0: So let's start here. Uh, Again, you you talked about how you didn't even really know what a toxic person was. How would you define a toxic person?
1: We we need to make a distinction between toxic and difficult, and we need to certainly make a distinction between toxic and non-believers. I'm not calling non-believers toxic. I'm not calling all difficult people toxic. I, I, I take three chapters to describe it, so I always hate to try to give a short summary. But in general, I think the marker of toxic people is that they're destroying you as you're interacting with them. They're destroying your peace. They're destroying your joy. They're weakening your other relationships. They they may haunt you at night so that when you're engaged with your healthy friends or your family, your spouse or kids, you, your mind is distracted trying to figure out what's going on with this person. They're often very controlling, which is the opposite of God. God gives us a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Toxic people want to control you. When you look at them, they tend to leave murder behind. And I'm not talking about physical. Physical murder, as much as I've seen a murder, small groups. I've seen a murder, office environments. I'm seeing a murder, other people's self-esteem and joy. And then they just are at their best when they're doing their worst. Paul gives a list that I think describes them in Colossians 3:8, when he says they're filled with anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. And so what happens is that that drives them. It 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 pulls them forward. And um, when we see that going on, I think we should be aware that we may be dealing not just with a toxic person, but a not just with a difficult person, but with a toxic person. And I found over my lifetime, I've never helped one toxic person. I've just lost a lot of time that I could have invested in healthy relationships.
0: Well, and Gary, you talk about this a little bit. uh, And this was something that really jumped out to me. That when we think that when there's toxic people in our life that we think we can help them and save them, you talk about this messianic complex that yes. we have. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and and I've read biographies, Andy, that, that kind of talk that way, that some people had such a close relationship with the Lord, they always knew what to say, and God would give them words of knowledge or understanding to be the ones to break through, and that's who I wanted to be. And, and I've been a Christian most of my life, but then when I saw that Jesus let so many people walk away, or that he chose to walk away, that he didn't explain himself, he didn't chase after him. I thought, look, if that didn't happen for the real Messiah, it's not going to happen for me, and I believe those biographies I read are very selective. Sometimes God does move miraculously in relationships. But I don't think we should presume that every toxic situation is is one that, that, that there's going to be a miracle. Most often I've heard, and I've talked to so many people in ministry and just in life who have said that, you know, I spent a year or two, some a decade trying to be the person who could get through to them. And then I finally, they turned on me and I just said, you know what? It was wasted time. there's others I could have reached. There are better uses of my time, and it's always
0: always ends with regret talking with Gary Thomas, when to walk away, so we talked a little bit about toxic people. We talked about you know our how we may be trying to help people, and that might not be the best uh, idea and might not be the best situation so uh, let's talk a little bit about a situation where it's okay to walk away where previously we might say, oh, we need to we should help this person what what does that look like? Yeah. Well, I, I tell the story of a woman in an office. She She's a
1: Christian, and there's this other woman that was just very needy, and so often needy people cloak their toxicity and neediness. And and just as a Christian, she wanted to help her and reach out to her, but she really felt like she's being sucked in. And if she didn't respond immediately, she would get like eleven-minute phone messages at home, a 4 paced single-spaced email saying, "You've got to respond right now. You're the only one. How come you're not helping me?" And, and she realized she wasn't getting her work done. She was nervous. She jumped every time she heard her phone ring at home when she should be with her family. And so she finally just decided that she was going to tell her, you know, we need to keep our relationship professional at this point. I just don't think I can help you on these personal issues. Well, that person started gossiping to others. I said, I, she said she's a Christian and she's walked away. She won't tell me why. Well, she did tell her why. It's just the toxic person didn't like the end result. And so she came to me as a pastor. What, what am I supposed to do? My reputation's being destroyed. And I said, you know how did the other office workers know about what was happening with you and this toxic person? I go, did you tell them? said, no. said, so she gossiped to them. And I just saw this light of recognition cover her eyes. I go, this is still part of the toxic attack. Toxic people are controlling, trying to be needy, didn't get you to do what she wanted you to do. So now she's trying to bring in other people that will exert pressure. Uh, surely you got to have compassion for her. Why would you just leave her alone? And, and so I just worked through how she could respond to the other people, why they were receiving gossip, how they didn't see her acting with a hard heart in other places. But the worst thing she could have done, Andy, would be to give in. Because ultimately, the best way we serve toxic people is to convince them that their toxic ways won't work. When they win, they think, "Okay, this is my effective strategy. First, I'll be needy. Then I'll be your friend. Then I'll be your enemy. Then I'll attack you. But I will get you to do what I want you to do. And we have to let people know I serve one God, the true God. I don't follow other people, whether you flatter me or whether you attack me. My allegiance is first and foremost to the God who created me. That's a tremendously freeing place to be in the workplace and even at
0: home. And I love that you do in an analogy that I, that really rang true to me, and, and maybe this will help other people too, just as a really quick hit of, um, you, you talked about how you figure out when you deal with toxic people and when to walk away as if you're driving down the highway. Do you remember that? Yes, analogy? yes.
1: Yeah. Well, my job and my calling and my mission life is not to call out toxic people. It's not to defeat them. Uh, The whole point of the book is that every believer has a call of God on their life. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God, this message of God's reconciling power that he'll give grace and forgive and empower us by his Holy Spirit. Because of his truth, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, every believer can have a magnificent and successful fulfilling life successful in the sense of spiritual impact and jesus said there isn't enough of us he said pray for the lord of the harvest to send more workers and so the whole point of this book is being true to your mission because it's an important mission and there's not enough so that means my mission isn't to stop toxic people if i'm driving down the highway and i see a bunch of litter on the side i'm, I'm not stopping to pick up the litter that's not why i'm driving through but If there's a tree branch, if there's a big uh, trash can that is rolled in the street and I can't get around it, I have to stop and remove it because it's impeding me from going where I need to go. And I said, that's the attitude toward toxic people. Walk away when you can. Don't engage if you don't have to. There may be times when you have to, if it's impeding your mission. But a lot of it, Andy, for me, and this, this is not easy for me, and it's because of sin that it's not easy for me. It's hard for me to know that people are slandering me or talking ill of me, or lying about me and giving others a false. But I had to realize, you know what, my goal in life isn't to make others think Gary Thomas is a good guy. My goal is to accomplish the work that God sent me here to do. I've got to be more concerned about the name of Jesus, helping others love him, serve him, accept him as king. That's what I'm called to live for, and trying to preserve my own reputation distracts me from what God has actually called me to do. It's still difficult for me to do that. I'm not talking as one who is excelling in this area. I'm talking as one who's convicted and begging God's mercy and grace to help me get better at it.
0: Well, and as you talk about, you know, we don't want to let anyone or anything get in the way of our mission. I mean, you talk about Jesus and his relationship with Judas. You know, why was Judas there the whole time? if he was kind of getting in the way, or it looked like it, of of Jesus' ultimate goal.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's a clear case where I met in the chapter, living like Jesus when working with Judas, that in Jesus' case, Judas had to be there to betray him. But there were some principles that I found really helpful. First, what was fascinating to me is that Jesus didn't see his mission in life as stopping toxic people from sinning. We know that Judas was a thief. John mentions that in his gospel. Well, if John knew that Judas was a thief, Jesus knew that Judas was a thief. But Jesus wasn't focusing on that, that there was another issue. And so the freedom for me, then, is I don't have to be everybody's detective, prosecuting attorney, judge and jury to determine what someone needs to change. The issue is really reconciliation with God, where they're at with the Lord. And so Jesus lived with a toxic person, but he wasn't. Getting sidetracked by having to point out every little individual toxic sin. When you're at a family gathering, for instance, we've got the holidays coming up, and the uncle brings the girlfriend half his age and is talking ludely and whatnot – even though that might be offensive to us, that doesn't mean we have to engage it. The issue isn't really that relationship. It could be rec, you know, alienation from God. And I just say, go to a room, encourage a teenager, encourage a married couple, listen to an older couple, whatever, walk away from the toxic situation and then find the situation that's healthy. The other things about Jesus with Judas that helped me, though, is that Jesus didn't let Judas's mind games work. Toxic people will act like your friends. Judas tried to betray Jesus with a kiss. Hmm. I mean, you think about what he's selling out, all of the benefits Jesus given him, and he's trying, And Jesus calls him out. You, you're going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And, and so though we don't have to play toxic people's games and call out their sins, we don't have to pretend that what they're saying is true when we know they're not. We're just saying, you know what? that That's crazy. I'm not going to argue with you about it, but but that's absolutely crazy. And he didn't let the presence of toxic Judas distract him from his mission. He was devoting himself to teaching the disciples. In fact, he dismissed Judas from the Last Supper to give some of the best, I mean, just amazing teaching in the Gospel of John 17 through 19. I'm just – words that are just – or 15 through 17, just beyond – powerful and life giving. And, and he said, Judas go. And he said, all right, guys, here we go. And, and he's just, just teaching after teaching after teaching. And so when I have to be around a toxic person, I don't have to call out every one of their behaviors. I'm not going to pretend what they're saying is true. And I'm not going to let them distract me from my mission as much as I'm able to quarantine that.
0: Well, you talked a little bit about, you know, families and, and you're coming around the holidays. It, it might be difficult for someone. What if they have a child, where there's a toxic relationship, maybe an adult child. uh, What would you say about that? Uh, I've got several stories
1: of that. One, I think of a woman that has a clear call of God on her life. She leads some Bible studies. Um, She mentors some women formally and, and, and some informally. And she had a daughter who was going through relationship after relationship, not married, and would always get in a crisis. And so she's canceling appointments with others and whatnot. And here's what she's found, Andy, and I think anybody listening will find if they haven't already. She looked back over the last five years. All of that rescuing, all of that canceling positive ministry appointments hasn't helped her daughter. If anything, her daughter is worse off. But she's missed many opportunities to minister to others. So I said, you know what? You're letting misplaced guilt distract you from mission. God has empowered you, and you're not a national name. You don't have your name on the front of a church or, frankly, on the cover of a book, but it is just as valuable to God. Value that mission and recognize what is happening. We're talking about adult kids. Another father who uh, had three children, two daughters and a son. The son was way off. The daughters were amazing women of God serving the Lord and, and wanted to have a positive relationship with them. And the father admitted that it might be a little bit of, of, of sexism that he, he just – it hurt his ego to have a son go off the rails like that until the counselor pointed out to him, you spend more time thinking and talking about and working with this toxic son than you do investing and in affirming and training these two wonderful daughters combined And that's the opposite of the biblical model where we let the toxic people face the consequences and we invest in healthy people. And and he didn't realize how trying the ultimately unsuccessful task of rescuing the toxic was hurting two healthy daughters that God had called and that God was using and inadvertently making them feel like less of a priority uh, because the squeaky wheel gets the grease, so to speak. But he found out that's not a very good biblical strategy, which should be what God calls
0: us to, um, gets the grease. All right. So one, one big question, and, and I know you share in the book that you've been bur- burned by this before. I think we all have as Christians because we want to be a good example to the world and to everyone who doesn't believe in Jesus. And so there, I'm sure everyone's come up against a time when they were trying to figure out how to deal with the situation with a toxic person. And they said, well, you're a Christian. Don't you have to do X, (laughs) Y, or Z? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
1: I've seen that so much. I made it a big part. I I made it a chapter because I've just seen it used as misplaced. It's funny. These people that aren't following the Lord, that never really have in word only at most, have a – acute sense of when others should do it, but they're not doing it to call us into obedience to Christ. They're trying to use the words of Christ to control us. And again, we get back to that controlling nature of toxic people. So for instance, a woman who um, her husband and he had gaslighted her. He had made her think she was crazy for thinking he had an affair with a coworker that he'd bring on trips. But of course it became irrefutable that he, he was And so she said, look, I don't, I'm not into sharing husbands. And they ended up separating and he moved in with the other woman that he said he hadn't been intimate with, but now they're living together. Well, I warned her because I've seen this time and time again, that in the flush of infatuation, these affairs can seem exciting and breathe life into a bored man's life. But eventually the kind of woman who would cheat on a married, with a married man who has small kids at home that character shows itself, the selfishness and and narcissism and other issues that she would do that to another family. And I warned her, I said, you know, don't be surprised if your ex calls you trying to get back because he's going to get bored with her. And I've seen it happen. She goes, you're crazy. Well, a few months went by and that exact same thing happened. And she was kind of prepared and, and he's using religious language. Wouldn't God want us to be reconciled? And she goes, well, Uh, I'm open to that. But the first step has to be you moving out of Crystal's house. And he said, well, why would I leave Crystal if I don't know that you would take me back? And this is he, he wasn't convicted of God that he was living in a sinful situation. He was just trying to improve his options. Well, if you'll take me back, maybe that would be better. And she says, look, I'm not into sharing spouses. He goes, you haven't forgiven me, have you? Aren't Christians supposed to forgive? Wouldn't God want us to get back together? So again, He's living in sin with a woman. He's cheated on his wife. He's refusing to repent of that unless he finds a better option. And he's lecturing her how to be a Christian. And those are the kinds of things where we realize they're really not concerned that you're acting like a Christian. They're using the words of Jesus to control and assault. And that itself is a toxic act. And it's egregious to use the Bible to assault one of God's daughters.
0: One last thing uh, with Gary Thomas, his book, When to Walk Away, uh, I highlighted so much in this. And if you're a people pleaser like me or you just feel like you just get run over by people um, because they take advantage of your niceness or your whatever, this is the book for you. But uh, Gary, I I love at the very end that you talk about um, don't be toxic to yourself. Oh, yes. (laughs) How do we how do we avoid doing that? And what's the what's the alternative?
1: It was one of the chapters that hit me the most. It might seem odd for a writer to say that, but you know, I I spend time with the Lord. I'm prayerfully reading and studying, and this is where I was so convicted by God because I so stink at this. And 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 one time God was challenging because I was just talking so many toxic words. I like, Gary, you're an idiot. You're so weak. You should be better than this. You've been given every opportunity. And I just sense God saying, not in these words, but you know how he just begins to form concepts in your mind. Don't say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to others. I would never talk to my wife or my daughters or my son the way that I talk to myself sometimes. I would never talk to a coworker. Frankly, I wouldn't say what I say to myself many times to an enemy. I would try to be more gentle and more polite. And I realized in some seasons, I may be the most toxic person in my own life. And when I realized how what I was saying to me hurt God, that I could go from worshiping God in the midst of praying to God and then cutting down myself, which hurts God. I suddenly realized because God loves me to be toxic, he hates it when anybody's toxic toward me, including when I'm toxic toward me. And I said, you know, as an act of worship, I just need to stop that. And so I used the book of Jude, the first verse, where it was so powerful when he says we are called, we are loved, and we are kept. Nobody, including myself, gets to call me names anymore. Jude tells me I'm called of God. If I committed my worst sin this morning, I'm still called of God. God may use the discipline and the negative example to reach others, but he still has a place for me. I'm loved. Uh, he, He still loves me. It's not based on my behavior. And I'm kept safe in Jesus Christ. And so I'm not the hero of my life anymore. Jesus is. When I make myself the hero of my life, I hate myself when I don't live up to my ideals, when I sin or when I'm not the idealistic person I want to be. It was only when I find my full acceptance before God and Jesus and Jesus is my hero instead of me that I could finally bring the toxic self-talk to an end.
0: If you can't get enough of those HGTV shows and you think, Man, I need to kind of refresh my house, maybe refresh my life. Well, you uh, have a great helper in Ginger Curtis. She wrote a book for you called Beauty by Design, Refreshing Spaces Inspired by What Matters Most. And she, by the way, she was just named the HGTV Designer of the Year. So she'll talk about kind of some cool, simple things you can do to freshen up your space and kind of work on the inside too in your heart. That's next week on the 30 Second Book Club podcast.